Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Jesus Feeds the Hungry, preached on September 3rd, 1995. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 14. How to solve our problems. That is the subject I want to speak to you about. How to solve our problems. And the answer is Jesus is all we need. Jesus meets our every need. Spiritual, physical, mental, social. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 men is the only miracle Jesus performed that is reported by all four evangelists. That ought to tell us it is a very important miracle. We are told that Jesus sent the apostles on a mission to preach and heal the sick. They returned with great joy and began to tell Jesus their success. Jesus also was told what happened to John the Baptist. Herod and Tippus beheaded him. Then Jesus invited his disciples, saying, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. True rest is resting with Jesus. There's a time to work. There's a time to rest. And I hope as Christians you understand real vacation is not going away from Jesus. Real refreshing comes to us when we rest with Jesus. Jesus didn't say, you worked very hard, now why don't you go and rest a while? No, come away with me and rest. So Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee and goes to the northeastern shore. It's a place called Bethsaida. Quite a bit of archaeological work is being done right there. But as soon as they arrived there on the slope of the shore of Galilee, multitudes of people also arrived there on foot. Over 10,000 people from all towns around the Sea of Galilee. How can now they rest? Jesus, when he saw the multitude, he refused to rebuke them. He wasn't frustrated. But the text says his heart went out toward them as the father of the prodigal showed compassion when he saw his returning son. Jesus said they are like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without food, sheep without rest, sheep without direction, sheep without protection, sheep at the mercy of 
wild animals, sheep without shelter. Their religious leaders failed them. They have replaced the word of life with their own deadly traditions. Isn't that what is going on today in, in Christian church? Sheep without shepherd. They will not preach the true gospel. Jesus is the good shepherd sent by the Father. He will never drive people away who come to him in need. Jesus meets their need. Jesus alone can meet our every need. He came to seek and to save. He came to minister. He came to die for our sins that we may live. He alone meets our spiritual, mental and physical and social needs. So we notice he abandons his own plan to rest and refresh himself in order that he may give rest to the needy who are coming to him. Oh, it is he who said, come unto me. I will give you rest. And so we notice in this miracle, first he gives them spiritual rest. At least we notice that he preaches to them the kingdom of God. Let's turn to Mark chapter 6 and verse 34, where this miracle is recorded by evangelist Mark. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 11. And we read, But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus understands that our fundamental need is spiritual. So he taught them many things. He preached to them about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is the realm of rest, spiritual rest. Kingdom of God is kingdom of eternal life. It is the rule of God. It is righteousness. It is the realm where the burden of guilt is removed. And people experience liberation in their spirit. It is the realm of peace and it is the realm of joy. It is a realm where there is no fear, no sin, no devil, no disease, no tears. It is the condition of total satisfaction. It is the realm where no one hungers and no one thirsts. But how can anyone enter this kingdom of happiness? How can sinful man ever come into this realm of true fellowship with God? Our actions are evil, our thoughts are evil, our speech is evil, our worship is evil. How can such people ascend to the holy hill? of God, the kingdom of God. 
Jesus taught them the way. He said, you must be born again, born of the Holy Spirit. You must receive divine nature to see and enter into this realm. You must repent of all your sins. You must forsake your sins. You must believe on the one the Father has sent. His only Son, God-Man, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you must believe in me. I'm the living bread. He who comes to me will never hunger, will never thirst. He preached to them the way of salvation. As I said, our fundamental need is not for physical healing or physical food. Our fundamental need is spiritual. We need forgiveness of sins. We need to be raised up spiritually. Liberated inside within us. He preached the gospel to them. It seems very few believed in the gospel he preached. He wasn't very successful, let me tell you. How do you know that he wasn't very successful? It is recorded in the sixth chapter of John. See, these people ate the food and they were filled with food and these people were healed by Jesus Christ. But listen, the next day or so, these people came again to Jesus and Jesus looked at them in verse 26 of John 6. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, meaning not because you saw miraculous signs and realized that I am the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the living Savior. You don't understand that. It is not because you saw the miracles and made the logical connection that this is the great prophet, the Messiah, the deliverer, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the eternal Son of God came down into this world to save us. No, you didn't make that connection. You are coming to me because you ate physical food and you had your fill. You are coming to me because you think I am a political messiah who is able to give you physical things. Oh, but you are coming to me because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And then he preaches again, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Ah, how true this is, that people come to church and go through religious formalities, but when you analyze their thoughts and desires, you will discover the same idea. Most people are going to church for temporal reasons, to get well physically and to find money, to find a husband, find a wife, Find a pregnancy. Oh, God, give me a child. It is, most people are coming to Jesus Christ not for the salvation of their souls, which is the fundamental need, but that, that, may, that they may receive temporal blessings. 
Most people call themselves Christians, but they are not saved. They call themselves Christians because they are receiving material benefits. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Meaning not, I'm the bread that gives you physical strength and sustenance. But I'm the bread that gives you spiritual life. And gives you entry into the kingdom of heaven. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus Christ is the living bread who gives us eternal life. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And then he tells you, what does it mean to eat my flesh and drink my blood? It means to believe. In the words of Jesus Christ, it means to trust in him. But he didn't have much success. Verse 66 says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It's too hard a saying. Very few people believe. In Jesus Christ. He was not a great success. Let me tell you. And even today. The preaching of the gospel. Is not meeting with great success. But all. The father ordained. For eternal life will come. And they will come. And they will trust in Jesus Christ alone. For their salvation. They will be enabled to come. They will hear the gospel with great excitement, with great understanding. The Spirit of God will minister to them. And they will trust in Christ and will be saved. They will joy in Jesus, their Savior. And not only that, he gave them physical health. Let's turn to Matthew 40, the chapter. And uh, 14th verse. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Turn to Luke chapter 9 and verse 11. And we read, and healed those who needed healing. This means every single person who wanted healing received healing. Physical healing from our Lord Jesus Christ. He is all we need. He is the one who solves our spiritual problem. Physical problem. Food problem. And every other problem. Jesus is God and he is able to heal. Heal all diseases. He healed those who needed healing. All who came to him, he healed them. Only Jesus is able to meet every need of man. 
if Jesus wills to heal, he can heal every single person on this planet right now. He can take away all diseases of every person in the whole world. He alone is omnipotent. If he does not heal you, it is because he wants you to receive grace that is sufficient for you. It is because he knows that the sickness will contribute to your good. It is because he knows your sickness will make you humble and turn to God. So it is better than being healed of a physical disease if the disease causes me to humble myself and come to God and trust in him. If he doesn't heal you, it is because God knows your disease will contribute to your increased reliance on God and God alone. And what does it matter if you die of your disease? If you trusted in Jesus Christ, you will be ushered into the presence of God to be with him forever. Our hope is not in this world or in this life. We are given eternal life. We shall never thirst and never hunger. If he doesn't heal you, it is because he wants you to come into greater conformity to the character of Jesus Christ. But never doubt the fact that he is able to heal you physically. Thirdly, he feeds them also with physical food. God who created all things also sustains all things. Psalm 145, verse 15 and 16 tells us this. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Animals and worms and birds and wicked men and women and children and godly men and women and children. Who do you think is providing the physical food to every living being in the whole world? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the first missionary journey of St. Paul, he came to southern Galatia, a place called Lystra. And he preached to the pagans there. And he says this in Acts 14 and verse 17, God has shown kindness. By giving you, the pagans, giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Not the idols of the world, not the gurus of the world, not the religious leaders of the world, not the politicians of the world. They can do absolutely nothing in giving you food to eat. It is my God who sends down the rain. It is my God who causes his sun to shine. It is my God who causes things to grow. And it is my God who produces a harvest that you and I, wicked men and godly men, may eat and rejoice and have plenty. But now let's look at how to solve problems. 
In the book of John, chapter 6, verse 5, see, Jesus Christ is on the northeastern shore, on a higher level, maybe 2,000 feet from the water. And he sees all these people coming to him. And so he abandons his plan to rest. And he turns to Philip, who comes from that area, as well as Andrew, they come from the area. And he turned to him, Philip, and said, Philip, how can, where can we find food to feed them? Because Jesus decided to feed all these people even before he started preaching and healing. He asked Philip of Bethsaida, Philip, where can we buy bread for these people? The idea is this, I want you to chew on this problem for a while and let me know what you can come up with. You have many hours. I'm going to preach to them. Then I'm going to heal the sick. Then we are going to feed them with physical food and come up with that answer. You are going to solve that problem, Philip. So I'm giving you enough time to think about it and I want you to figure out a solution. But when you read the sixth chapter of John, it says Jesus was testing him. Jesus knew how he was going to do it. Every problem we face is a test of our faith. Every single problem we face is a test of our faith. We read in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. To humble you. See, that's the problem. Problem humbles people. To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, that is, whether or not you will believe in God. Every problem is a test. And every problem is a test of faith for a believer. Every need we face in life is a test of our faith. Every disease, every bad news, every lack, every pressure is a test of our faith. You put your house on the market and it is not selling. Every other house is selling yours. It is not selling. It's a test of your faith. There are two ways people try to solve problems. Let's look at uh, one way. We are nice people. We look at the problem carefully. You look. 10,000 people or more are coming. Yes, we took that fact into our accounting, our calculation, our reasoning, our figuring out. And then you look and you notice it is a desert place. It's a solitary place. There are no shops. And you also look at your purse, there are no monies. And then you look at the time, the time is gone. So the solution is, we cannot feed them, Jesus. The time is late. Send them away. 
send the people away hungry. Let them go while there is still some daylight left. The problem is given to us to solve. And we look at everything else. And then come to this conclusion. We cannot solve problem. There is no solution. Yes, we calculate and calculate. We reason and reason. We take everything into account except God who sits right there in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the height of unbelief even of Christians who believe in the Bible, who go to church. Remember the ten spies who came after spying the land, the holy land, and they came back and reported what did they report. Oh, it is a good land. It flows with milk and honey. But we cannot go in and defeat the people because they are stronger than we are. Compared to them, we are grasshoppers. They reasoned and calculated. But human reason always fails because it leaves out God. The infinite, almighty, omniscient, the creator and the sustainer of the universe. It's an amazing phenomenon. Even in our own life, how we leave him out. In our reasoning and in our calculation, in our figuring out the solution of the problem. This is our problem. This is why we are anxious and fearful and angry and frustrated. So Philip says, no, we cannot feed them. We cannot feed them. You cannot feed them either, Jesus. We all, we cannot do it. And I... Take the initiative to let you know that it is late. Please send them away. That's stupid, isn't it? People have to come to him for solution. To say to go away from Jesus so that your problem can be solved is stupid. Andrew says this. He was also from Bethsaida. Oh, we have five loaves and two fishes. We cannot do it. We cannot do it at all. Send them away. The church is flunking out. The Christian is flunking out. Why is it? Because of our unbelief. It is when we have faith we see Christ, the Lord, ruling and reigning. The one who is the solution to every problem of the universe. Jesus said, they need not go away. You feed them. There is another way to figure this out. And you know what that way is. We calculate the problem. We reason. But in our calculation and discussion and reasoning, we make sure that we include the biggest factor. That is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's turn to the book. Of Romans, Romans chapter 4, God promised Abraham a son, but he is about 100 years of age, nothing happening. But let's read to you, let me read to you from Romans 4 verse 17, as it is written, 
I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Who believed? Abraham believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good, was as good as dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. The frustration and the fear and the confusion in the lives of Christians. Even the leaders of church get together and they themselves don't bring in Jesus. They plan, they circulate literature, they talk about money, they raise money. They think money will solve the problem. And then they have a little prayer, a nominal, formal little prayer. They wanted to be spiritual. Genesis 22, verse 8, God told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, the son whom you love, the son I have given you, Isaac, in whom the promises are to be fulfilled. And he took the son to sacrifice, and the son asked, where is the animal? And what did he say? The Lord will provide. The problem is a dead son, that's okay, but bring God into a dead son. He believed that God is able to raise himself, a son out of the ashes of the sacrifice of his son. David was facing Goliath and a vast army. Here is a little boy with a sling. And let's turn to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, and let's read. From verse 45, not even one person who is able to face this giant Goliath, but this boy. He says this, David said to the Philistines, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. It is amazing how Christians can forget about God and talk about everything else in the universe. And then they go about frustrated and confused and quarreling and in discord and in misery and in wretchedness. It's our problem. Philip's problem is our problem. Andrew's problem is our problem. Look at Gideon and 300. Gideon and his 300. A vast army. Well, you bring God into that. The problem is solved. A great victory was won. Look at Elijah, fed by a raven. Fed by a widow who didn't have anything. And finally fed by an angel. Provided with food and drink. Bring God into your problem. 40 years, 2 million people, no food, no water. A climate that changes from 140 degree Fahrenheit to 30 degree Fahrenheit. 
place full of enemies. My God took care of them in the wilderness for years. That's God. Bring God into the circle of your calculation if you want any kind of divine solution to it. Or look at the two spies, Caleb and Joshua. Number 14 and verse 8, he says, We can do it if the Lord is pleased with us. That's the nature of faith. Living faith, dynamic faith is always God conscious, Christ conscious. But if you don't have faith, you'll be self-conscious and cosmic conscious. You'll be conscious of everything, but not God. He could have passed the test, and this is the way he could have passed it. The reason Jesus said, Philip, solve the problem. The answer Jesus expected was what? To come back to him and say, Jesus... It is absolutely impossible for us. But you must do it. You can do it. With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You have done miracles. Remember you changed water into wine. When they told you the wine ran out and you did it. You heal the sick, you cast out the demons, you calm the storm. We have drawn the conclusion that you are Christ, the Son of God. You are eternal God in human flesh. You are sufficiency. You are potency. You are might and you are power, you are wisdom. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. You are God. You can do all things. We can only come up with five loaves and two fish. And so I say to you, Jesus, I cannot do it. You give me bread and I will give it to them. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he asked this profound question. Who is competent for these things? Who is sufficient for these things, meaning preaching this gospel that kills people and gives life to other people? Who is competent for these things? And then he gives us the answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. Listen to it. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. But our competence comes from God. Our competence comes from God. And 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, St. Paul makes this statement. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengtheneth me. This is not stupid positive thinking of Norman Vincent Peale and everybody else. This is based on the reality of my God who exists. 
who is infinite and personal and who is for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? The Christian says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. He is God conscious. His mind is filled with God. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. I am thinking about God. He looks at problem, yes. He's not stupid like Christian science people negating the problem. Oh no, it is problem is real, sin is real, sickness is real. These are real things. So we as Christians will look upon problem correctly. But then we look at God in whom we trust. Remember in the 16th chapter of Matthew, he said something about bread. And the panic came into the disciples. It's because we didn't carry bread. And Jesus says this. Now, now come on. Think about this. What happened when we fed 5,000 people with five loaves? What happened? How much did we take? Well, it's 5,000. That's the answer. And we took 12 basketfuls. And what about the four loaves and how much did we take and how many did we feed? 4,000. What is Jesus saying? Hey, don't be stupid. I am with you. I am your sufficiency. And I could add another question. Think about the two million people I fed for 40 years in the wilderness with no bread. God doesn't need anything. He creates out of nothing. Hallelujah. The question is, where is your faith? Philip, Andrew, John, Matthew, where is your faith? Meaning, do you understand who I am? And you know the story. He multiplied it and he fed them and he filled them. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. We read, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. There's always abundance and excess. Like Philip and Andrew, we have failed in our problem-solving assignment because we were problem-conscious and self-conscious, but we didn't believe in God. So let us change our thinking. Let's trust in Jesus Christ, the living bread. He came down that we may never be hungry and never be thirsty. Let me tell you, he meets all our need. He alone meets all our need. He heals our souls and he heals our body. He feeds our body every day. He is all we need. He is all we need. Jesus is all we need. That vital, dynamic, personal trust in him. Let's receive from him and give it to others. That's what the charge God has given us. He did not ask us to produce bread. 
He asked us to distribute. He did not ask us to create a gospel. He asked us to preach the gospel. Which he came. And produced by his death and resurrection on the cross. When you look and you see. The whole world we ought to feed. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the commission. But he has given us the bread. He himself is the bread. The incarnate son of God. The one who died. The one who was raised for our justification. The one who ascended into the heavens. The one who is seated on the right hand of God the Father. The one who is making intercession for us. The one who is coming again. That's the gospel. We have no excuse. We must feed. You want to feed others? Then you must feed yourself. With Christ, he said that. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, we trust in him. And all of a sudden we are filled. And then we are ready to do what? To give. We receive and we give. Paul says, what I received, I give unto you. How to solve our problems. Whatever it is, spiritual, physical, health, whatever it is, how to solve it. It is this way to go to God and say, I don't know how. But you know how. Oh God, you solve it. And he does. He will either quench the fire or he will take you through the fire. <laughs> it's okay with me. No flood shall destroy you. No storm will destroy you. No fire shall destroy you. No death shall destroy you. I am persuaded. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither present or future. Nor any powers. Neither height nor depth. Nor anything else in all creation shall separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Solution of all our problems are in Jesus Christ. Blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not along with him freely give us what? All things. Solution. May we repent of our sin of unbelief. Oh, how serious we were in analyzing our problems. Looking around and failed to what? In their wilderness journey, they were bitten by fiery serpents and they were all tied. Moses was instructed to make a brazen serpent and put it on a pole. And then the gospel was preached. Look to him and be saved. He was sent by the Father to feed us. To feed only the hungry, the rich, and the self-satisfied, and the self-righteous. God sent them away. But he ever feeds the hungry. 
Is there a hungry person here? And will you lift your hand up so we can pray for you? Lift your hand way up if you are hungry for Jesus to feed you. Way up there, you know, I have preached the sermon. I pointed you to Jesus Christ. Tell him that you cannot solve it. But tell him also, you, Lord Jesus, can. Because you are Lord, you are King. You are the creator. You are the sustainer. You are the one who feeds every living thing in the whole universe. Heavenly Father, we pray that you have mercy upon these people and upon us all. Forgive us our sin of unbelief. Forgive our exaggeration of our problems. Forgive us our lack of looking to you and trusting in you. Forgive us our not bringing you into the equation. Hallelujah. Help us to believe and be healed, O oh Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.